This is an ABC News special. COVID-19, what you need to know. From ABC News headquarters, here is correspondent Aaron Katursky. A new urgency in the nation's battle against coronavirus. The infection rate here in New York, the hardest hit state thus far, is doubling every three days. There are now more than 25,000 cases here, and Governor Andrew Cuomo said the apex of the disease was going to be higher and earlier than expected. And the apex is the point where we have to be able to manage the capacity. We had projected the apex at about 110,000 hospital beds, and that's the number I've been talking about. The new projection suggests that the number of hospitals, hospital beds needed could be as high as 140,000 hospital beds. Cuomo chastised the federal government, which to date has sent 400 ventilators. He said the state's going to need 30,000 ventilators in the next 14 to 21 days. FEMA is currently retrofitting a convention center where the New York International Auto Show should be going on into a temporary hospital with a capacity of 1,000 beds. The USNS Comfort is also headed this way to alleviate the pressure on hospitals, but it's not certain to be enough. Another U.S. Naval floating hospital is headed to Los Angeles. And so we bring in ABC's Alex Stone because the hospital pressure we're feeling here in New York is almost as acute in California, Alex. Well, that's right, Aaron. And you heard uh, Governor Cuomo there talking about it. And we've heard Governor Newsom here in California talking about it. But that surge, that they need to surge hospital beds, that's what these ships are doing coming into New York and into L.A., It was believed the mercy was going to go to Seattle, but then Governor Newsom made a plea to the White House directly to President Trump, saying L.A. with its population, that the need here could be much greater based on the the numbers if coronavirus were to spread as California believes it could. So the mercy is coming here right now, left San Diego yesterday, will be here on Thursday, heading into Port in L.A. California ended up being the first of what are now about half the states to impose a stay-at-home order amid the coronavirus outbreak. How's it going? Are people staying at home, Alex? Well, you know, in many ways, yes, they are, that the streets are very quiet, but there is an exception in California to the rule that you can exercise. And what was seen over the weekend is people said, great, we can go to the beach, we can go hiking on trails around California, and it jammed those trails, jammed those beaches Then there was no social distancing because folks were all together on those trails, all together at the beaches. And we've heard from the mayor of L.A., Garcetti, uh, Governor Newsom. They're unhappy about that. Here's the governor. We are our behaviors. And in order to meet this moment, we need to improve our behaviors, all of us, young and healthy, not just the most vulnerable So what he's doing now is he is cracking down on those who are going to the beach, those who are going on hiking trails, and he's pretty much shutting them down. He's shutting down the parking lots at state beaches. L.A. County is doing the same at county beaches and parks. The state is doing it at parks as well. So now there's nowhere to park. So they're they're telling folks, don't go to the parks any longer. Don't go to the beaches. If you're going to exercise, do it around your neighborhood, then get back inside. They don't want to see the large groups making it a beach vacation because they're not at work. ABC's Alex Stone with us from his post in Los Angeles. We heard some of the same criticism of crowds in the parks here in New York. Alex, the mayor 
says he is committed to keeping the parks and playgrounds open, but only if people adhere to social distancing and don't overcrowd them. When people dwell in apartments, they yearn to get outside. The governor has even suggested New York shut down some of the streets to vehicular traffic so people have more room to walk and jog. But so far, uh, the mayor is sending the NYPD into public spaces to encourage social distancing, even into grocery stores and pharmacies to make sure they're keeping people six feet apart in line. Illinois is another state with a stay-at-home order, and ABC's Ryan Burrow is there. How's the compliance in your neck of the woods, uh, uh, Brian? Well, there was a party that was broken up on the west side of Chicago by police. Dozens of people gathering to celebrate in Chicago's Austin neighborhood. That obviously violates the CDC recommendations as well as the recommendations from the state. So the police did come in and break it up. And we know, too, that uh, there have been some people even in the Chicago jail system uh, that have tested positive. So now there is a big concern as to the spread there. They've released some people. Um, That's been a concern here as well. Yeah, there are more than a dozen states now releasing some nonviolent offenders from the prison system as uh, coronavirus is thought to be uh, particularly at risk for the prison population. Uh, Ryan, I know you were supposed to be in a couple of short months headed to Tokyo for the summer games. We learned that after a, a number of days of, of relentless pressure from athletes around the world, the summer games are off. Yeah, they are. And I've been talking with some of the athletes about that, uh, many of whom had not yet qualified, uh, but were in the process of qualifying. And they're actually kind of relieved. Uh, They didn't know what the future would hold. Uh, Would it be uh, equal for each of these athletes to qualify? How would they determine how they would qualify if indeed uh, these Olympics went off in July? Um, But most of uh, the response I'm getting speaking with people from from all different backgrounds, all different sports, is they just wanted some kind of definitive answer. They didn't think this was going to be happening. Uh, They're unable to train. They're stuck in their home. And at least now they know that uh, they can scratch uh, July off their calendar and just wait for the phone call as to when qualifying can begin again. Because the plan is to hold the Olympics in 2021. Uh, Potentially, yeah. We don't know if that's going to happen in the spring or summer, but uh, the IOC, the Tokyo Organizing Committee, says uh, that it will happen no later than the summer of 2021. So going to put a pause on it for now, and and hopefully the games will happen uh, at some point in the next 12, 18 months. ABC's Ryan Burrow from Chicago. Ryan, thanks. I want to turn to the White House next and ABC's Karen Travers because the president has been talking about reopening the country even though for many states the apex of coronavirus has yet to hit. Karen, is the president weighing his options uh, seriously? Does he think this can happen soon? He seems to be full steam ahead on this. He is saying he will get Americans back to work, Aaron, and he's going to do it quickly. Uh, He did a town hall style event on Fox News this afternoon, and he said he would love to have the country opened up, raring to go by Easter. Easter Sunday is mid-April, so that's just a couple weeks. The guidelines that the president uh, announced last week expire at the beginning of next week, 15 days where people are supposed to practice very strict social distancing. But he, for now, 
two days has been signaling that he feels it's time to rip up the Band-Aid uh, in some ways and let people get back to work. And he said today you can socially distance at work, but just get back to work because for the president, the economic damage of COVID-19, uh, he feels, is more significant, is worse for the overall country than what he says is the, the problem of the virus itself. Karen, I know you've been talking to some of the experts on the coronavirus task force. Are they all in agreement with the president's position? They're not saying publicly if they are. Yesterday, the president said that he's been talking to doctors who are on his team, the task force doctors, public health officials. And he said uh, of his plans to reopen the country, he said they're okay with it. So I pushed uh, Dr. Deborah Burks, who's the White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator, said, just to be clear, do you agree with that? Is she one of the people that is okay with it? And Erin, she notably did not say yes or no. She said the president has asked her and Dr. Anthony Fauci and others to give their best medical recommendation based on data. And they'll do that next week. But she was not willing to say right now if she agrees with the president's plowing forward and uh, getting things back up and running. I was struck how the president said that the country can do two things at once, fight coronavirus Mm -hmm. and go back to work. But to to many public health officials, those two things are not compatible. I think to almost all of the public health officials who are speaking out, you can't do both things at once. That what you really need to do is just have everybody do these strict lockdowns. If somebody goes to work, takes the subway, has lunch near their office, they could potentially be getting or spreading the virus. So in order to truly contain it, it, it has to be a tough short-term period. And, and I think that's the thing that we're hearing over the last two days is that the president is itching for a quick fix, but what his quick fix might do is prolong this problem in the country by having people go back to work. More people could get sick you know, over a longer period of time. Uh, and the tough medicine right now is to just hunker down and try and get past these next couple of weeks. Our White House correspondent, ABC's Karen Travers. Karen, thank you. Thanks, Aaron. This is an ABC News special, COVID-19, what you need to know. Here is ABC News correspondent Amy Robach. And your questions now around this baffling global pandemic continue to pour in. And so ABC chief medical correspondent Dr. Jen Ashton is standing by with more answers for all of you. So Dr. Jen, we'll begin with the first question. How effective and useful are homemade masks? I am seeing lots of offers for making face masks from designers to home sewers. But how effective are they really? Short answer, Amy, their effectiveness is unknown. You know, from the beginning of this pandemic and outbreak, we've been saying it's just as important to say what you don't know as what you do know. And obviously, those made-at-home masks are untested. But when the CDC said that healthcare workers could use a bandana if necessary, I think at this point, it's probably better than nothing. So the Rosie the Riveters, yeah. I give them thumbs up for helping. That's a fair answer. So this next question, because it has been confusing as well as to just how long this virus can last on surfaces. So the next question is, with all the concern about the virus surviving on surfaces, should we be concerned about our food being safe if we are ordering for delivery or takeout? This is a tough one, Amy, because I've thought of that myself. I can tell you scientifically, if there is any, let's say the food worker coughed on your food and then you ate it, your stomach acid would likely kill that virus. However, if you eat with your hands, 
maybe not so much. But it's a balance because you want to support these restaurants when they are really struggling right now. So I've been trying to order in just once a day just to try to keep them going. The next question we have here, are there any over-the-counter medications we shouldn't be taking? I love that question because it's about the caution with these things that are over the counter. Um, there's so much interest right now in these alternative or complementary supplements. Could it protect us? Right now, there's no data on this. So you have to remember that if something can help, it can also hurt. There has been some very early data controversial, not peer-reviewed yet, that ibuprofen may cause an upregulation in one of the receptors that this virus binds to. So if you have a choice between acetaminophen and ibuprofen, probably go with the acetaminophen, but that is not peer-reviewed recommendation yet. All right. Um, Our next question, how long does the virus live on a bath towel? Should we be changing it daily? That's such a good question. They don't know yet. They've studied this in the lab last week on surfaces like stainless steel, cardboard, plastic, and how long the particles linger in the air. The range was anywhere from three hours to three days. They don't know about money, clothes, bath towels. So if you are concerned, wash it more. Yeah, when in doubt, just go ahead and throw it in the laundry. All right, our next question. Has anyone looked at the data from the people who regularly get the flu shot? Could this be why children seem to be less susceptible to the coronavirus? I love this question, too, because it's really how scientists think. The answer is no. We haven't looked at that data yet. Um, But basically, the flu vaccine is not going to give any protection against this coronavirus. However, it may be seen that people who have been vaccinated against the flu have less chance of serious complications with COVID-19. But we don't know. That's why we need that data to come out on our U.S. cases. We do have some good news out there right now, Dr. Jen, about testing. More and more tests are becoming available. Tell us about it. So I want you to think of testing, Amy, in kind of two prongs. One is that we need to test as many people as possible, as we heard kind of in the beginning of this outbreak. That's how South Korea was so effective in flattening their curve. The other side is that testing usually uses up valuable resources like personal protective equipment and exposes healthcare workers to risk. So they're kind of seemingly at odds to each other. But here's some really good news. Yesterday, the FDA approved one of the first self-swabs. That's going to be coming out literally any day now, um, which is going to enable people to swab themselves, protect the healthcare workers, conserve those PPEs, and then something called point of care testing. That's going to be almost like a pregnancy test. You'll be able to get a little finger prick of blood, get the results back in 15 minutes. We're going to start to see that rolled out soon. And then you may have heard serology testing. That's a blood test to look for antibodies to know if we've been exposed. So we need to really dive deep in this testing so we can get a good grip on this virus. That's right, because so many people are asymptomatic and yet could spread the disease to people who are much more susceptible to serious conditions. And so by what you just said, it sounds like in a perfect world, everyone would have either one of these tests available to them. Well, certainly if you live in a hot spot or if you have mild symptoms. And right now, the people with mild symptoms are being told, just stay home, no test. And Dr. Jen, we should mention you are on official self-quarantine now. So tell us how that is going for you. 
I miss you, um, but obviously we're connected electronically. You know, at the end of last week, I had a mild headache, and that's very unusual for me. So I decided to stay home over the weekend out of an abundance of caution. And then yesterday, while working from home, I was notified that someone with whom I had prolonged close contact was diagnosed with coronavirus. So now, um, following the recommendations, which is really hardcore, vigorous self-quarantine for a total period of 14 days since my last contact with that person. So what does that mean? I'm not leaving my apartment. No one's coming in. Um, I have been in close contact with my kids for the past week, and all of us are fine. Thankfully, we don't have any symptoms, so I'm not really distancing myself in my home. Um, but, yeah, I'm on lockdown for a- another week. Yes, as are so many people. So we certainly wish you the, we- the best and uh, hope that uh, you are going to be okay, as everyone else is. But with so much unknown right now, Dr. Jen, is there anything we can be doing that's, that's known to be effective to boost our immune systems? You know, you and I talk about this all the time, Amy. The best things you can do all the time, and especially now, get seven to nine hours of sleep, wash your hands as much as possible, and exercise, if it is possible, depending on where you are, has been shown to boost the immune system and has been associated with lower chance of various upper respiratory infections. So I'm doing push-ups in my apartment (laughs) because I can't leave for the next week, but exercise is really, really important. All right, so I'm going to challenge you to that push up challenge that we've all been challenging each other around uh, social media. All right, Dr. Jen. Awesome. You're on. (laughs) Thank you. And if you have any questions for Dr. Ashton, send them to her Instagram at Dr. J. Ashton. In the meantime, we turn now to ABC's Rachel Scott. These are some of the developments that we are watching right now. Officials in Wuhan, China, the epicenter of the global outbreak, announcing it will lift its lockdown on April 8th, allowing transportation to resume. Those easing restrictions are after new infections dropped to zero last week. And back here at home, airlines continue to cut flights. FlightAware now reporting volume is down 48 percent as of this past Sunday. But gun sales are spiking even higher. Colorado officials reporting 25,000 background check requests. Last week alone, that's a 227 percent hike. And now let's get to concerns rising over scams promising quick results on coronavirus tests. ABC's Pierre Thomas with more on the warnings from the FBI. The coronavirus pandemic is bringing out the best in many Americans, but unfortunately it's revealing the worst in other people, specifically criminals who are trying to prey on U.S. consumers. If you want to receive a free testing kit delivered overnight to your home, press 1. These calls about the coronavirus are all the more sinister because they appear to be so helpful to consumers, advertising free test kits, but with a fee. For only $79, our highly trained technicians will do a full air duct cleaning and sanitation to make sure the air you breathe is free of bacteria. The problem, the federal government says they're all fake. Scams designed to steal your money and give you nothing. Authorities warning that potentially thousands could be targeted. The FBI and other federal agencies seeing a surge in these types of scams. The last thing the American people need in the middle of this pandemic is criminals trying to take advantage of them and profit off their concerns. And it's not just robocalls. The Justice Department has shut down a website offering a vaccine kit for a shipping charge of just $4.95. The problem is 
No such vaccine exists. All right, Pierre Thomas, thank you. That's the latest from here, Amy. Back to you. Rachel, thank you. And when we come back, the major company adding workers while many others stall. What one CVS executive tells us right here about its plans to expand new hires. Plus, divorce parenting in a pandemic. Some real steps you can take to bring the stress level down. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to an ABC News special, COVID-19, what you need to know. Once again, here is ABC News correspondent Amy Robach. The coronavirus pandemic has many families restructuring their daily lives. And for those who co-parent, it can be especially complicated when everyone is asked to stay home. Psychiatrist Janet Taylor is here to give us some tips on how to navigate co-parenting during these very untraditional times. And Dr. Taylor, I know you're co-parenting right now. So tell us how you're coping. Well, exactly. You know, co-parenting is a challenge in the best of times. But the key, and as you mentioned, I'm divorced myself, is to really think about communicating in the spirit of cooperation for the well-being of your child or children. So how do you do that? You focus on making them understand that no matter what the state is of your current relationship, you're keeping them first. You also are willing to exchange schedules and ask your partner what help they need, acknowledge them, and see how you can truly be better together even though you are apart. Yeah, and with all this anxiety and fear circling uh, the situation, and yes, uh, divorce, even in the best of circumstances, is trying, trying to juggle uh, schedules. How can parents maintain that schedule for their kids? I'm curious, during this crisis, because especially if we're worried about transferring germs or going from one home to the next, that's a potential nightmare. Well, it is a nightmare. So then you think about care, right? And so be aware of where your children are going. And if your partner says, you know, what kind of exposures do they have? This is not the time to pick fights, but to be honest and thoughtful about minimizing that exposure. So if there's a situation where maybe if you've been exposed or they've been exposed and your schedules have to change, that you can work with that and not pick and and point about that. So it really is about being thoughtful in your interactions and keeping the children first. Yes, I'm I'm divorced as well. My ex-husband lives out of state and my daughters had a scheduled visit with them that we both decided was best that they stay home. Sometimes one parent has to make the sacrifice knowing that it's in the best interest of the larger group. But it's not always easy for people to be that person who makes the sacrifice. What are your tips for those parents in those types of situations? Well, avoid keeping it personal. And I understand the angst, anxiety, even anger, but you know, sometimes relief at being away from that relationship. But to really focus and think about, it's about making decisions together. If you have to alter a schedule, maybe you, you can make it up later. And you can stay connected using social media. This may be a time where if you're the custodial parent and in charge of homework, you're tired, maybe you can dial in that other person and let them monitor virtually. Actually, I've said this with all of my family members. It feels as though we're seeing each other more often than typical because we are checking in. So I would imagine a good tip would be for the other parent to have a scheduled FaceTime visit. If you hadn't before, do it now. If you're the uh, every other if you're uh, every other weekend parent, maybe check in once a day now and spend 20, 30 minutes on FaceTime with your children. 
Exactly. You can have a COVID-19 check-in where you can include the other parent, talk about what concerns your kids have, talk about any updates and fears they have. And it's important for our children to know that even though we may have had a disagreement, maybe divorced or separated, there are ways to work through the emotions and it can be a healthier outcome for everyone. I agree. Dr. Janet Taylor, as always, incredible advice. Thank you so much for your time. CVS Health has announced it is looking to hire 50,000 new employees across the country. And here to tell us more about the expansion is Chief Policy and External Affairs Officer of CVS Health, Tom Moriarty. Welcome, Tom, and thank you for being with us. This is pretty good news for a lot of people. You're beginning to embark on the most ambitious hiring drive in your company's history, 50,000 new hires. So tell us what some of the positions are you are looking to fill and how people can apply for them. Yeah, first off, Amy, thank you for having me. Uh, it is an important announcement uh, on our part. And, you know, since the uh, crisis has begun, we've, we've thought every day about what we can be doing for patients and the customers we serve and the difference that we can make. Uh, and as, as the pandemic has moved through, uh, we're seeing a growing need uh, for additional employees across our enterprise. And so uh, the job announcements we made yesterday, the 50,000 positions we're looking to fill immediately, they will go across our entire enterprise, uh, including both at our pharmacies and stores, our, our call centers, at our warehouses, uh, solving for inventory, uh, as well as other frontline individuals to help us address this, uh, both on a permanent and temporary basis. All right, good. And that inventory is a big topic because we keep seeing panic about essential supplies and personal protective equipment. They're unavailable in a lot of places. So how is CVS getting that much needed supply to stores for employees and customers? We've been working since the start to address this situation. Uh, we're working with our suppliers uh, across the country uh, to try to address the needs that we have as well as the needs of our customer. And so we've been prioritizing the harder hit areas uh, with with this equipment. Our goal is, though, to continually roll this out and provide our pharmacists and our colleagues at the front lines uh, with the equipment that they need to protect themselves and their families. And this is pretty impressive. You opened up a testing site at your location in Massachusetts where employees are now doing the actual testing. So what else can you tell us about that site and if there are plans to open any more? Sure. And it really was designed as just one of many uh, alternative and options to try to get testing out there more quickly. And we've dedicated that site to first responders and healthcare workers to give them the knowledge, the comfort that they need to know uh, whether or not they have tested positive and their ability to continue helping in this situation. So we're working very closely, uh, again, with FEMA and the Public Health Service, uh, as well as the governors across the state. It is commendable and incredible that you guys have already done as much as you have. I do have a question, though, because a lot of people rely on those monthly prescriptions to be filled. Has there been a run on medications? Will customers be able to continue to get those prescriptions? Well, I mean, when, th when this first broke, we did, we did a number of things to make sure we had access to medications. Um, first off, we waived any delivery charges for home delivery. Uh, we've uh, provided uh, refills on 90-day prescriptions and waived any uh, restrictions associated with that. Uh, we've also advanced and waived copays at Aetna for telemedicine services. And what we've seen is an almost 200% increase 
in telemedicine visits. We've seen over almost a 400% increase in home deliveries. And so from a supply situation, um, roughly 90% of all dispensing in this country is generic medications. And we are uh, the largest, because of a venture we did with Cardinal, the largest sourcing company of generics. And so with that size, with that scale, we've been able to really plan ahead here. We are seeing spikes in some of the medicines that have been talked about as potential, uh, having potential efficacy against COVID-19. And what you're seeing is a number of states now putting in what are called quantity fill limits or requiring a positive diagnosis for COVID before those prescriptions can be dispensed because those medicines have real uses for other conditions and we need to make sure that they remain available to treat those conditions as well. So across the board, we've been integrated with the public health officials in addressing these supply situations. Well, thank you for what you've done and what you continue to do. Tom Moriarty, thank you so much for joining us. Well, while the number of coronavirus cases continues to rise here in the U.S., the number of outbreaks in China, thankfully, has dropped dramatically as that country begins to loosen restrictions on public gatherings and seeks a return to normalcy. It does beg the question, what does life after COVID-19 look like? Well, joining us now to talk about her experience is registered nurse and Chinese resident Kate Shi. Kate, thanks so much for being with us this afternoon. And I want to start before we talk about what life is like now. Can you give us some background about what your life has looked like over these past several weeks. Hi, Amy. Thank you for having me here. Of course, um, during the outbreak, um, I was at home with my parents in their apartment. Um, I was visiting them uh, for the Chinese holiday. Then I found out I couldn't leave to return to work. So I spent almost three weeks at home with them. Um, I think the biggest challenge um, at that time was to make them comply um, uh, they did not believe it at first. Um, my dad, especially, he kept telling me, how can you control me? I want to go out. I need to walk the dog. I need to go to the shop. But after a while, because we were seeing all those stories on the news and we um, started realizing how, how bad things were in Wuhan, we got scared of coming in contact with this virus. Um, then we just kind of stay home. Changsha, though, uh, we did not have the lockdown like Wuhan did, but we were strongly encouraged to stay home for as long as we could. Yeah, so you self-quarantined with your parents for about three weeks, which is what a lot of us are all facing now, these uh, in-home yeah. challenges. How did you pass the time? What advice can you give us Americans on what to do with all of this time with one another in a small space? My parents' apartment was quite small and uh um, I think first that what I had to do was to um, adjust my mindset. Um, having to stay at home um, does not mean that I've lost my freedom or have lost my control over my life. Um, it actually means I um, consciously make a, a decision to protect myself and my family from this virus. So after I get this out of the way, things became easier. Um, I um, planned my day um, I got up the hours like I normally do. I did things in the apartment. Um, even learned uh, to play a musical instrument, which I still play, <laughs> practice today. I made a hobby out of it. So I also uh, exercise using the online videos that are allowed about it, out of it, um, you know, workout videos. Um, I interact a lot with my parents. Um, I took advantage of this time that I had with them. 
um, we had this casual hour after dinner every day where we played cards. There were a lot of laughters. It was actually quite nice. My mom watched tons of cooking shows, and she made a lot of delicious food out of the things we had. I love it. So you're, you're learning new、time. skills. You're you're learning to、yeah. to actually welcome the time with your family. I want to ask you though, now that the curve is flattening, there people are returning to work. What is it like there in China? Have things gotten back to normal? As of today, most of the businesses have reopened. Uh, lots of people are co- going back to work like they normally do. People are getting out on the streets.、Um, some businesses have just recently opened, like the malls.、Um, restaurants, though, they only do deliveries. Very few of them allow you to eat in, but they definitely are on the rise of reopening business to public.、Um, supermarkets, pharmacies, they never shut down because they were considered essential,、um, but they did cut their hours. Um, at this point, I wouldn't say that things are 100% back to normal, but we're definitely well on our way there. Well, that is certainly welcome news for those of us who are several weeks behind you. Thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate your time, Kate. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. All right, we've got some final thoughts now from Dr. Jen Ashton. A couple of things that I'm looking at today. First of all, good news about testing. There are going to be point of care tests with results back in 15 minutes. Serology, hopefully soon, and more home tests coming literally days, weeks,、um, very, very soon. So I think that's really important. On the data front, we have some really good news、um, released yesterday by Dr. Burks in the task force. There have been no deaths due to coronavirus in children under the age of 15 in Europe, and only. One death under that age group in China. So again, more good news for the pediatric population. And then finally, I'm leaving you today, Amy. Yesterday was three A's. Today is three S's. Number one, science. We continue to learn more and more about this virus, and since data drives decisions, that's really important. Two is share. Share your feelings. This is a stressful time. We all need to get these feelings out. And you probably know what the third S is, Amy: social distancing. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's really important in flattening that curve. No, and we appreciate all the advice and and all of the good news that you've brought us today, Dr. Jen Ashton. Thank you. Hey now, hey now, We are bringing a concert favorite to you. We are calling it our stay-at-home sing-along. And joining us from his home, we have singer, songwriter, and musician Rob Thomas. Rob, we're so excited you're with us today. We hope you and your family are holding up well during this quarantine. And I know you were one of the very first artists to share a performance online while those of us are staying at home. So, what are you hoping fans will take away from these mini performances? You know, it's, this technology that we've had back when we had the the liberty of being able to, to physically be around each other all the time, it was almost like these technologies were a wedge in between that connection. And now that we can't physically get together, this technology is actually something that kind of socially brings us together in a way. Yeah, you can take us away from all of the virus talk for just a little bit, and sometimes just a little bit is a lot in these days. So I know everyone out there is anxious to hear you perform. So I'll let you take it away here with the song "Can't Help Me Now," Rob Thomas. Sunlight falls heavy. Can't hide your wake already. Long night 
You're unsteady. You don't even want to be here, do you? cry out, not for the last time. It's funny how a word might save your life. And I'm saying a lot right now. But I don't want to fight. I don't want to cry. I don't want to leave. But I don't want to be here, be here now. There's a bad taste in my mouth. I stumble in the dark, tripping on a heart. It's gonna leave a mark. Maybe we could stay and wait it out. You're the one that talks men down, but even you can't help me now. But even you can't help me now. Headlight. Dark highway, drive home, but it feels all sideways. No signs, I'm a head case. I'm alone, but I feel you, feel you now. Head down, I can't remember if we left on a start or an ender. Cause you and I were so worn down. But I don't wanna fight, I don't wanna cry. I don't want to leave and I don't want to be here, be here now. There's a bad taste in my mouth. I stumble in the dark, tripping on a heart. It's going to leave a mark. Maybe we could stay and wait it out. You're the one that talks me down. And even you can't help me now. We don't have a lot of people in the studio, but we're all clapping, and you just helped us out. <laughs> Rob Thomas, thanks so much, and be well. Thanks, guys. You too. Stay safe. That's our program for today. I'm Amy Robach. Thanks for listening. ABC News. Honored. Winner of four Edward R. Murrow Awards. ABC News. America's number one news choice. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.